I'm teaching tonight on being equipped, continuing with our, our faith series. And I'm just going to be straight up front with this. I got a motive in this thing, is to provoke you to take hold of the word of God and give it away. So I'm telling you a punchline right at the beginning of this thing, because I so totally believe that the joy and the satisfaction in life is hearing and receiving the word, but then giving it away. That's where the life's at. And I think sometimes we get religious with this and we separate the word of God from normal life. I believe the word of God needs to be applied in every dimension of our life all the time. And to be able to understand the word, receive the word, and being able to embrace the word of God. Um, I think in a lot of my growing up years, um, I said to the staff this morning, I think I was almost born in church. My father was a pastor and, and uh, I just didn't get it for a long time. And the word of God was boring to me. Oh, it's not boring anymore. But it, it requires revelation knowledge. And that's what I want us to talk together about. About being equipped. And I use the word being, so it's ongoing, continuous dimension. I don't think we ever come to the point, well, I got this thing figured out. And so I'm going to be real straightforward. It isn't like I've got this all figured out. We're going to learn together tonight how to be able to receive from the word of God and then how to be able to give that away as well. And I, I heard this while I was preparing. It, it, it's like the Lord said, Les, you need to be equipped. And boy, I, I totally buying into that and coming into that understanding again, this is a continuum. And so we're kind of shoulder to shoulder in this. We're learning together how to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was going to teach out of Ephesians chapter 4, but the Lord said, no. He said, I have something else that I want you to, to teach. And I thought, well, I've done that a lot of times. He said, well, just do it again. So I said, okay. Because I, I told Donna earlier, I need to hear this more than anybody in here. But Jesus gives gifts, and he gives anointing, and he, he gives them for a reason. And out of Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12, it says, He gave some to be apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service or ministry, the building up of the body of Christ. And I really believe that, you know, I've said this countless times, we need a whole lot more pastoring that goes on here than what us as a staff can do. We need all of us to be able to give away what's been given to us. And one of the examples that I use often is that if you've been saved 10 minutes, you have something to give because you've had an encounter with a living God. And I was reminded this week of when I was involved in jail ministry, um, had the privilege of leading a, a man to the Lord there. And when he got out of jail, he came and lived with us for a while. And George had an anointing of the Holy Spirit. See, he was in the devil's camp and he got translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear son. And he taught me things and the sensitivity to the spirit was amazing. And so I think that there's a, a, sometimes we've underestimated what we've given to us. 
Peter says, if you have received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The way you get to keep this thing, you have to give some of it away. You know, when they tried to stockpile the man in, in the wilderness, that did not go well. And I think sometimes we're getting so ingesting of this, we're kind of like a bunch of fat little children that need to give something away because we're overfed with the word of God and we need to have a flow in and a flow out. And I think that's the equipping that God is doing in this season right now. And particularly, I believe that there's going to be an ingathering, a harvest of souls yet before his return. And we have people in our own families and households and people that we know, people that we work with that don't have a clue. And somebody's got to be able to speak it to them and have the courage and the boldness to speak truth into precious lives. Peter says, be prepared to give an answer to them and ask you concerning the hope that's within. He said, just do it gently. Um, when I first got saved, I was pretty radical, pretty wild. Donna says from time to time, you should have been buried for a while. You know, you're just weird. <laughs> But I also believe that there's times to catch fire again because there's a fire and a passion and a love for Jesus that needs to be evident. And we need to be able to live that out in front of people so that they, they know that you've got something going on. I'm so far ahead of my notes right now, I don't even know where I'm at. But I know that somebody's got to hear some of this we need to be provoking one another to love and good deeds and all the more as we see the day approaching. Because there are a bunch of lost people out there that need to be, first of all, prayed for, interceded for. And so one of the things that I'm pretty high on, and I was in ministry for a number of years, and the Lord put me back in a car dealership again for a season. That's not the easiest place to walk out your faith. But the Lord gave me fruitful ministry during that time frame. And I, one of the things that he had me do, and I, I tell people, find out what Papa's up to. Now, you know my little deal. Father, what are you doing? What's my part? And how can I most quickly align with that? See who we would have you pray for. Be a family member or something you go to, someone you go to school with or somebody that's um, where you work. And begin to intercede for a while. And see what is up and just live out what you believe. Show up on time, do a good job, and be available for whatever he has. And I believe then that wins an opportunity for us to speak into people's lives after you prayed for a while. Then the Lord will open up a door and give opportunity to be able to speak something into them that they need to hear. So, um, I was going to preach out of Ephesians. I love the book of Ephesians. And I share this often because the phrasing of in him and in Christ is all over the place. If any man or anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation altogether. Old things have passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. And I share this at communion from time to time. Some old things need to pass away. And my friend Carl over there says this from time to time. He says, you've got to put it off before you can put it on. Some old things need to be put off so that we can wear and embrace the things that God has for us in this season. And that's some of the gifting that he's given to us. 
So if you go with me now to 2 Timothy, uh, just a little bit before what Jake used in communion, which was a confirming word to me again about preaching the word. In season, out of season, whether it's convenient or inconvenient, preach the word. And I, I really believe this is what the Lord has wanted to center on. He said, I want you to go over the basics again. Number one, I want to make sure that people are saved. That's the number one event. That you're not just given middle ascent of the gospel, which I did for the first 33 years of my life. But having some dimension of a power encounter with the living God. And out of that area, then he begins to teach us how to function. And the teaching and preaching of the word is fundamental to any kind of ministry. And you can't give away what you don't have. So um, James says, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. You get born again once. You really get saved, you're saved. But boy, our souls need to be saved on a repeat basis because they wander off some sorry trails because the mind wants to lead. It just doesn't have the capacity to lead. There's no faith in your brains. Faith comes in your spirit, man or woman, on the inside of you. Now, this is fundamental. That's why I teach on faith on a continuum because without faith, it's impossible to please him. Faith comes from one dimension, and that's Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so we, and I use this term a lot. Sometimes my faith bucket's pretty empty. And so I need to come into a place, I, I don't know what to do. Would you come? Would you instill faith in my heart again for whatever it is that I'm facing at that given moment? I had this experience, and I've shared this a couple of different times, but it just comes strong to me right now. Sometimes, you know, you have to make a phone call you don't want to make. And you don't know how to start the conversation. You don't know where you're going to go with the thing. And I'm sitting on a couch at the house, and i got the phone in my hand. And I'm muttering to myself how I'm going to start this conversation. And I hear the Lord say this to me as clear as I'm talking to you. He said, just dial the number. I will be there. And he was. There's a practicum of the now of our God. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. And my growing up years, there was a lot of things, and there was so much, and you know, I was pretty good at Bible quizzes and stuff because I knew the Bible stories, but I didn't know the Lord. And so I think there's a lot of things of the past that we're looking at, and we're looking for the future when Jesus comes, but the now part of it, I somehow missed. And I really believe that that's one of the things the Lord wants every one of us to make the application of his word in my life current and that it functions. And the biggest thing in this area is dependency. Until God speaks to us, we don't know what to do. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And with the intellect, we've tried to figure out a lot of things that is, in some of it, it's just wasted time. It isn't like you throw your brain away. But our spirit needs to hear God speak to us. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And so he's calling us into that place of intimacy and a place of understanding what the will and purposes of God is currently in our lives and for some of these precious people that don't have a clue. Majority of people and a lot of people in a church house don't believe that God speaks to us today. I'm sorry, he does. He declared, Jesus declared that to us. 
My sheep hear. If you're a sheep, you hear. If you're not a sheep, we can help you with that. But those are the elements of the foundation of the Word of God and being taught the Word of God and then teaching someone else is a fundamental belief system that this is functional and it works in the real world. And when you begin to operate in that area, there's an expectancy. We expect God to do something. We've been seeing some amazing answers to prayer and some things that we've labored over. There's some things that we haven't seen answers to yet. And these are the things that we need to continue to press on. And sometimes I've prayed everything I know to pray multiple times, and then pretty soon the prayers are dribbling off my chin and running on the floor, and there's no power in them at all anymore. And I need somebody to come alongside and pray for me. And I've had this countless times where I've asked somebody, would you pray for me? I just don't even know what to do next. I don't even know what to pray next. And hearing someone else pray, all of a sudden there's a stimulus of faith that comes in there. Paul says in Romans 1, being mutually encouraged by one another's faith. And I know that by personal experience multiple times. And I really believe that there's a season where we need to help each other. We need to have the courage to ask for help. So I don't know what I'm doing with my notes. I'm just laying that aside. But I want to tell you a story that happened to me. I'm a very amateur woodworker. I like it. I'm just not very good at it. But I was deciding that Don and I decided we needed to build a surround on our fireplace. And so I, I built kind of the post for this thing. And then it was, I had to figure out a way to make some moldings around the brick. And I know that you scribe things and such. I never could figure out how to do that. Well, I have a friend who's a contractor and had done a lot of work for us before. He's a master craftsman. Doug Kunze is his name. And so I felt the Lord say, you need to call Doug and ask him to help you. Now, it took me a while. You know, males don't do this very well. We, we, we try to figure things out. We bring solutions. We fix things. You know, we, we don't have to ask for help or ask for directions or those kinds of things. But it's something I learned from my dad a, a lot of years ago, and he said this in Dutch from time to time. He'd say, you've always got your mouth with you. Ask somebody. <clears throat> so anyway, I called Doug, and I figured Doug's going to come over and bring his tools, and you know, we're going to work at this. And he said, well, let's go look in your shop. Let's see what you have. And I've accumulated a few tools over the, over the years, and he, he said, oh. he said, this will work. We can do this. You know, I think the only tool that Doug ever brought over was his pencil. He, I have a lot of tools. I just didn't know how to use them. We ended up making this surround. And, you know, basically I stayed out of Doug's way and did what he told me to do. Held things and marked things and, and et cetera. But we made crown molding. I didn't think you'd, we could do that kind of thing. Had to router it, you know, and put some grooving in this thing it, it really looks nice but my point is in that area sometimes we've got a bible and you know jesus but you need to have some help that's what teaching is all about the teaching of the word we have an amazing teacher in rick but i'll tell you what my goal is for you to dig in for it yourself and find some of these things we've got you know if you've got a phone there's a, a wealth of bible knowledge that you can look up 
Strong's Concordance and all kinds of different things and word studies that you can do in that area. It's one thing to hear it from Rick. It's another thing to dig it out for yourself and find these things. And we've relied, see, traditionally, we've relied on the pastor to do all the work. I'm sorry. I just read that in, in Ephesians there that the pastors are to equip the saints to do the work of service. Well, we've got to be empowered by his word. Everything has got to be tested by the word and being living that out and receiving it for ourselves. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, the word that God speaks is alive and it's full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword to the dividing of the soul and the spirit and the thought and the intent, the joints and the marrow and the thoughts and the intent of the heart. And I'm, I always have to go through this, is that we're three-part being. We're made in the image of God. We're spirit beings. We have a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you live in an earth suit. It's your body. But the soul, again, always wants to lead and figure these things out with the intellect. But no faith comes at Faith comes in our spirit, in that born-again place. And the increase of that, it's an ongoing, continuous action of something supernatural. And then we've talked also many times about the pendulum. Two against one will always win. The soul and the spirit will make the flesh or the body go in places it doesn't want to go. But if my soul man wanders off toward the flesh, it drags my born-again spirit in places it doesn't want to go either. So there's an understanding of being surrendered and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, being able to hear his voice, being able to function with the body of Christ, and, Lord, and understanding that we need some help with that. We need to help each other. So we're basing on all of Scripture did we read 2 Timothy 3 yet? Well, it's time to do that, Jake. You started out in 4. I'm just backing up a notch of that. 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says, all scripture. I've got that circled and highlighted in my Bible. Is inspired by God and profitable. Well, we could just stop right in that. That it's profitable. We're going to talk a little bit about that here in a moment. Uh, for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. It's that same dimension of equipping that can only come by a work of his grace. And understanding again that he has something to be able to speak into our lives so that we have something to give away that's of worth or value into other dimensions as well. So the Old Testament and the New Testament, the essence there of scripture here is in, in fact the, uh, Paul is referring to is the Older Testament because the New Testament was being written during this time frame. So these things are so important you know, there's a, a lot of teaching from time to time that the Older Testament isn't of worth or value. You know, I don't know if this is maybe a little rude to say, but that's just dumb. I mean, you know, the most of it is prophetic. And it's Jesus has fulfilled the things 
that were spoken in the Old Testament. You just really don't know. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this little story too. Uh, the first guy that I really had a, a Bible study with um, and had um, led him to the Lord, uh, I thought, we'll start in the New Testament. So I gave him a New Testament. And we were in this, you know, a little while. And he said, you know, I think there should be something ahead of this. Stupid me. I started him there only with the New Testament rather than the whole of the Bible. And so we broke back out of that dumb dimension and began to explain the authenticity of the entire word of God. And learning that some of the earliest scriptures that really spoke to me were out of the Old Testament. So go with me for a moment now. If you haven't got a Bible, there's some up on the racket in the back there. As we're going to cruise through a number of scriptures tonight to verify some of these things. As one of my mentors said to me very clearly, he said, Les, you will form your theology on all of scripture, not on select portions. And that's what I was doing at that point in time. Because there's some of it I didn't like. Because it poked me where I needed to be poked. And I know Rick has said this, and I've said it multiple times too. Sometimes the word of God just offends me. Well, it generally is offending my flesh. And that needs to be offended. It needs to come into a a place that is submitted and surrendered. Okay, Romans 15, verse 4. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Verse 13, hope is an expectation of good things to come. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it's a tree of life. And hope does not disappoint, for the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is again the working of the power of what was written way before this. Now go with me to Psalm 103. There's benefits that come from his word and the promises of his word and believing them as well. And I think that there are times where we need to remember some of these simple things that we say, oh, yeah, I know that. And Jake said that at communion. No, we know John 3.16. But you know, sometimes looking at it in your own Bible, you see something that you didn't see before or the Lord speaks to you out of some of those things. I can't tell you how many times Rick and I have talked about that. Man, I never saw that before. Well, he said, no, I didn't either. Sometimes just while we're preaching, all of a sudden something comes to light. And I really believe that going back over some of these things, I had to be part of memorizing this psalm when I was in the second grade. That's another old story by itself I'm not going to get into right now, but it was, wow. Takes me back a lot of years. Westside Christian School, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Anyhow, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. 
who pardons all your iniquities or your sins, who heals all your diseases and redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. That word renew can also be repair or to restore. And it establishes something again of some of these fundamental things that sometimes we've blown by that we need to, and I don't know if this is even really a word, but re-believe them. As I heard the Lord say years ago, I said, lest you believed it here, now believe it here on purpose. This is the area of taking hold of these things because they are for today. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the word and he doesn't change. We're the ones that change. And so it's bringing us back into those things that you believed at the beginning and believe them again. Now, going on here, back to 2 Timothy 3, um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Another word that probably could be used in that is its benefit. There's a benefit in the word of God. It's an advantage, it's helpful, it's useful. So looking at some of those things in the benefit of the teaching of the word, I was just reflecting again the last couple of days on all of the people that have spoken into my life. Some of it have been at church, some in churches. Uh, It's been at conferences. And a lot of it was teaching on tapes. You know, some of you guys remember old tapes, you know, cassette tapes. I wore out some of those tapes. You know, I've got a set of Bible tapes that I bought in 1975, and I still use them. A lot of CDs go south, but man, those old tapes, they still work. Once in a while, they get tangled around the little deal on the inside, you know, and you got to unravel them. Yeah, amen. So the, the, the teaching that comes to us in the Word of God and the different ways it's come over the years have been an incredible gift to me. So, um, Isaiah 54, 13 says, All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons will be great. Now, I don't need to go over this again. You ladies are sons, okay? Because there's no male, no female. We've been around that bush. So, anyhow, the son's got the inheritance. The inheritance is him. It isn't just what he does. It's him. That's the, the missing dimension in that word. A lot of times we're praying and asking God to do something and do it in the time frame that we want him to do it in that area. And we just need to come to him. He says, when you're overburdened, come to me. Come as you are, not as you ought to be. Just show up. That was another word that I had remembered just in the last couple of days. One of our mentors said, you know, he says, you just come in dragging your sword. Just show up. Show up in the throne room. And come expecting to receive from him. Then in John 14, 26, it says, When the helper, the Holy Spirit comes, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you about all things. And he will bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Boy, do we need a helper. I mean, this is just a a given. And there's a lot of areas of people have discounted the workings, plural, of the Spirit of God in every dimension of life, whether that's something that um, is spiritual, something that's in your family situation, in the workplace, 
one of the things that I, I just didn't know any better after I got saved, I just took Jesus to the dealership with me. And the things, I could tell you story upon story of things that he showed me, it would no way you could ever figure out in the natural. But when you begin to see that and other people begin to see a demonstration of, of the power of God and the answers to prayer in the real world with real stuff, it generates an appetite and a hunger for some of those things. And so my question to every one of us, including me, how much do you want? There is an unlimited supply of the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. So those are the things that the God would, would bring to us again and alert us. So back to 2 Timothy. Only this time I want us to go to chapter 2 in 2 Timothy. And I want to point out a couple of things as well. I love the way Paul talks to Tim. And he says, therefore, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, these entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the area of being able to give away what he's given to us and partnering together. Jake and I spent a lot of time uh, sharing together, speaking into each other's lives, praying for situations, et cetera, and ministering together. And having another person, Don and I do a lot of this, a lot of ministry that we do together, with Larissa as well. So having someone that you trust and being able to share with and pray with each other, I cannot tell you, this is the whole dimension of fellowship. And here in the Northwest, we're in a independent lot we want to do it on our own and asking for help or asking for prayer and those kinds of things is difficult for us i'm just going to say this really straight get over it you know fellowship is god's idea he's family and we're part of his family and, and, and his household and coming into the place of hearing and receiving from one another is just part of the deal John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light is huge. It's the things that set us free and gives us credibility again with the body. So faithfulness and teaching. I'm not going to read this scripture, just give you part of it. This is out of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 7, where Paul, or, uh, Moses says, uh, these words that I'm teaching you today, you fathers, teach them diligently to your sons. There's an import of ministering to family members, these kinds of things, and walking them out. And when you share your faith with your children, don't just share all the successes, share some of the failures. Where you heard the Lord and you didn't obey him, or you missed it. Now, you're discounted in some dimension. They'll learn as much from that as anything. And it's humbling to be able to you know, express these things to our children. But it also brings a dimension of light. And then um, Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Then I was looking in Proverbs. Proverbs is a wisdom book 
And Shelley's bringing wisdom out of Proverbs on a continuum in early men's prayer. Love that. And Donna and I have read Proverbs uh, a lot of times. You know, I don't even know what day it is. What is it? 27 today. You could read Proverbs 27, you know. And that isn't necessarily how to be able to do that. But it's something to trigger off the wisdom that's in Proverbs. In the first seven chapters particularly, the word my son is over and over and over again. There's instruction from father to son. Chapter 1, verse 8 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. These are very precious things that need to be implemented into each other's lives. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 28. And this section of 18 to 20 is, is something that we've identified as the Great Commission, and it is. But there's also some things in there that I think are, that I had missed. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe or to do all that I commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what really struck me is, what was it Jesus commanded them? You know, there's a number of things he told the boys before he sent them out and etc. But as there's specific commandments. In John 13, 34, Jesus says this to the boys. He said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another, even as I have loved you that you may love one another. The boys, you know, a number of times were jockeying for position, wonder which one of us is the greatest. And Jesus had to interrupt that and bring things back into focus again. And he said, you know, the Gentile folk do that. He says, but that's not to be with you. He said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you see, see this child? He said, unless you become like this child, you can't even enter into the kingdom. He was very specific with that. And then James and Johnny come along with Mama, you know, and they were looking for the best seats. And that didn't go well with the boys either. And then Jesus said, mm, we're not going to do that. No strife, no division in that area. He said, I want you to love each other. And in John 14, verse 15, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 15 says this in, you know, Four different verses there at least. Verse 17 says, This I command you, that you love one another. And then um, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 7, uh, John says, Beloved, I am not writing a new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you've had from the beginning. And then in chapter 4, verse 21, he says, And this commandment we have from him that the one who loves God should love his brother also. See, love covers a multitude of sin. And being able to love the ones that are difficult. You know, in, in Philippians it says, let your forbearing spirit be made known to all men. Well, you know, I love Andy. I, you know, I don't have any problem with, with that. But 
Robert back there? Oh, yeah, that's right. I love Robert, too. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes we pick and choose in that area. But there's a, an area for that the Lord would have us to come with love. Let me love you so that you have resource to be able to love one another. This is my commandment. And then he says that. Remember what, what it says. Teach them. This is the new believers. He said, teach them to love. That will take you a long ways down the pike. You receive love and then you are able to, to give love. This is what I commanded you. And then Jesus had said this in Matthew 22. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So the, the whole dimension of love. See, there's not a whole love in our culture right now. There's a lot of hate and discontent. And there's a lot of strife and division. But the love call always is the same. Come here, come now, come as you are. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Because I'm gentle and humble of heart. And you will find rest for your soul. So the area of positioning to receive the love of God. Allow him to love us in our brokenness. And one of the things that he's made me do over the years is to be absolutely ball-faced honest with him. He said, now don't tell me you want to do something when you don't. And I said, no, 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 but I do. I, I really want to do this. And he says, no, you don't. He said, watch where your feet go. You can tell what's in a person's heart by where their feet go. What are you doing in, in any kind of a given situation? But he said... Why don't you tell me, you, and be honest with me, that you don't want to do what you know you ought to do and ask me to create in you power and desire to willing to do for my good pleasure, not yours. And I've literally had him do that multiple times. And it's like a little switch flips on the inside of me and all of a sudden I have faith to do what I didn't want to do, that I was purporting I wanted to do. I was deceitful. He knows our hearts. But when we're honest with him and he comes and produces something in us, it changes us because faith has come. And we're trying to hide things or dance around things that are just not right. So we're receiving love and we're teaching love. Now I want to go over a few more benefits that have been given to us that we need to be taking advantage of. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things you do not know. And I, I have used this scripture countless times. The first time this scripture was given to me, I, I was an associate pastor in another church a lot of years ago. I was just beginning. I didn't even know this was in the Bible. And there was a visiting pastor. Our senior pastor was on vacation and he came to the house and he says, I have a word for you. This is one of them that he shared with me. It was a life changer. This is something of real, of coming before the Lord and asking him. And he said, I will tell you. 
See, this is another from the Older Testament, exactly what Jesus said, my sheep, hear my voice, call to me and I'll answer you. It requires faith and it requires a sensitivity to the Spirit of God as well. But this is real stuff. And this is a season where we're having to hear and know and understand exactly what this is. Now, John 14, verse 15, 14, verse 14 says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then Isaiah 30, verse 21 says, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or turn to the left. I've learned to call those course corrections. And particularly if we're off, off the trail. And I think from time to time, the voice behind us is another person that speaks into our life. Uh, this happened to me, and I had a large a prayer group in Federal Way. And I had told them from time to time, listen, if I'm missing it, don't follow me over the cliff. Someone at least point me in the right direction and re-aim me because I'm missing it. And there was a time I was flat missing it. And Lynn was the lady that led worship, and she just kind of timidly says, Les, I think we need to go in this direction. And she was absolutely right because I was missing what the Spirit of God was doing at that point in time. She was the voice in front of me at the time that I needed to hear. And I think that there's an area of being submitted to one another in the fear of the Lord that gives us opportunity to give place to somebody that could speak into our lives when we need it desperately. Another little event that was so life-changing to me. Um, I've shared this story before, but I really feel again that we need to hear it. I know I needed to hear it. Um, there was a lady that was a, a teacher at the Christian school. And this lady had something that I didn't have. She went to my church, etc. And I said to her, Linda, what do you have that I don't have? What's going on in your life? There's something I'm just not connecting with. And she said, Les, I think you and Donna need to take Ephesians 1, 17 to 23 and read that for a while and put your name in that. And I'm thinking, come on, just, just, just tell me. And so the, the first couple of verses, uh, Paul prays this. He says, um, that the Lord, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you less a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, him Jesus. I pray that the eyes of Les's heart may be enlightened so that Les will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And I prayed that over a time frame. And then my friend Doug took me to a meeting where a pastor of my denomination was speaking. And long story short, we had went to a home afterwards. And I figured out in my light and fast mind that they were boys were ganging up on me. Doug had been praying for me for a long time. He knew, you know, I was a church kid. He's the one that wandered off from church and got pretty thoroughly saved. 
And he was after me. And I needed that at that point in time. And this pastor said, Les, you need to repent. You need to get out on your knees and you need to receive Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. And I did because I got it. And the reason is I believe a large part is that I would have been praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Had a bunch of head knowledge, but not in my spirit, man. And I think there's a lot of people that have given mental assent to the gospel, but they have never received it personally for themselves at the core of their being. There's a vast difference between mental assent and being born again. And then they prayed for me for the power of the Holy Spirit as well. And I really believe that those are the elements right now that some of our traditions have undermined and discounted. And, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal doctrine. It's a Jesus doctrine. And those are the things that need to be embraced because that's where the power is at, people. It's not in your intellect. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding how to be able to receive Jesus Christ on a continuum. You can have a lot of teaching. I had a lot of teaching. I sat in a lot of church services before I really met the Lord. And once you meet him and you know him and you begin to know his voice, it changes everything in your life. That's what we have to be able to give away to people as well. That's why he told the boys, stay in the city until you be clothed with power from on high. I will ask the Father. He will send you a helper. Stay there. And I could hear Shambach saying, well, why are you going out without the power of God? And I really believe that this is, this is a time of preparation. This is, this is the equipping. It's the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have. There's an unlimited supply. And so he's calling us to be receptive to that which he has purchased with his precious blood. The Holy Spirit is not a force. There is power in this big time, but he's a person and he's real and he has something to say to us on a continuum. He teaches us about all things. And so that is what he's called me to do. Then after that time frame, there were some other, my friend Doug was mentoring to me and, and we'd have lunch hours together and Doug would generally have a word for the day. And he had King James Bible in, in that time, and I had my Amplified, and we would compare. And he was reading Jeremiah 15, 16 to me one day. And it says, your words were found, and I did eat them. And they become to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. That thing just went, it was like electrified me in that. I said, Doug, where is that word? I want that word. Now, Rick and I have had some discussions about whose word that is. I'm the older guy, it's my word. <laughs> but you can have it. You know? you know, when I eat physical food, I get less hungry. When I eat the word of God, I get more hungry. There's an appetite. And the understanding of this is, is just amazing. And another one that touched me deeply was Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. And it says, I call heaven and earth to record against you this day that I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now therefore choose life that you and your descendants may live. 
by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him, for he is your life in the length of your days. That was another life changer, the area of choosing life. See, the human will, this is about our own, Rick and I had this discussion just a week or two ago here, about the only thing that we do in our salvation is giving our will over to the will of God. And, and, you know, he's done it all. It just needs to be accepted and received and then lived in. And then there was Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon formed against you will prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. Amplified there says, show to be in the wrong. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication or their righteousness is a me, says the Lord. That was another defensive word in that because there was a lot of assault coming at me in that season. And I reckon that those are the things, the other voices that were coming against me. The enemy's always tried to undermine the credibility of the word of God and his promises to us. But that word really struck deep in my heart. And so that was the word that I began to give away. And I'm sure there was a lot of people who said, well, here comes Les Dams again. He's only got one Bible verse that he knows, and it was Isaiah 54, 17. I'm still giving that word away. Just gave it away again in the last few days because there is warfare that's going on, people. You know, you, you, you best recognize this. The enemy has come to steal, kill, destroy. But I've come that you could have life abundantly, super abundantly is the language there. And so reckoning that he has something for us and will teach us what our part is and what it's not. You need to know where your realm of authority is at. Now, the, going back to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 again, I want to point out a couple of other things here. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. It's really interesting, the, and that's why I'm spending the majority of the time on teaching of the Word of God and receiving it. Because the word reproof and correction and training in righteousness is all corrective things. It's just used minimally. Now, the, does the word correct us? Oh boy. Absolutely it does. But... He wants us to take hold of this and being able to receive it. Um, each of those words has some dimension of correction in it. In the training in righteousness, a correction of mistakes and curbing passions. Instruction which, gives and which aims at the increase of virtue, right standards and values. Now, Hebrews 12 has got a, a number of things to say about discipline. See, discipline isn't punishment. Discipline is training. And I think this is part of the of Father heart of God. He's training us in these things. Verse 11 says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So this, it's a precious thing to be watched over by the living God and, and cared for. And it's interesting. I hadn't thought of this one for a while. Where, you know, one of my mentors said, you know, you're going to form your theology on all of Scripture, not on select portions. Well, it also says that 
What son is there that a father doesn't discipline, even scourges? I thought, well, it says scourges, but it doesn't mean that. Oh, yeah, it means that. You've been scourged a time or two. You understand that exactly. So that he protects and defends us from going down some foul place that you don't know to go down. Scourging is incredibly effective. And it's painful. And particularly when you have a recognition that it's the love of the father that scourges. He doesn't just beat us. That's abuse. We don't have a father like that. But he brings enough pain in the situation to get our attention. To change direction. To hear the voice behind you say, don't do that. Come here. I love you. Let me teach you how to walk in righteousness and walk in truth. Now, a little further along here, uh, revelation knowledge of Jesus gives us faith to have a working knowledge of his word. Because if your Bible doesn't work for you in that area, then we need the power of the Spirit of God to teach you how to be able to embrace the word. Um, Mark chapter 4 Verse 22, I'm going to just read this verse right now. It says, For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, or anything kept secret, but that it would come to light. You know, we talked um, a little bit about this earlier, but God hides things not to keep them hidden, but for us to desire and to search them out, to find the things that are hidden in his word. They're hidden in plain sight. But you have to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the eye-opening aha moment that comes by the spirit of God to be able to see these things. Otherwise, we read right over them and miss them, or we're not able to receive them. In Luke 11, let me just share a couple of things out of there. The boys came to Jesus and said, would you teach us how to pray? He didn't say teach us how to preach. He said teach us how to pray because they'd been observing Jesus. And so he gives them another form of what we've called the Lord's Prayer, but I call it the Disciples' Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is John 17. But anyway, then he begins to teach them a parable about the fellow that comes at midnight to his friend and said, lend me three loaves because I got no bread to feed. This fellow's come to me in a journey. And then he... he he tells him, in essence, you know, he won't get up and give him anything to eat, but because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So Jesus pursues this a little bit. In verse 9, he said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Now, the language there is in a tense where it's a continual ask and keep on asking to keep on receiving in that air. There's a continuum that is, is pressing us forward. Then in verse 13, it says, your heavenly father will give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him and continue to ask him. So there's a continuum of pressing forward to these things and understanding what is available to us. So go with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2.
make some comments and kind of draw this to a conclusion. I'm just going to read down through this chapter because it it really in, enlightens us to the necessity of the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. That your faith should not rest on the wisdom of God, but on uh, the power, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. Now, mature could be, you know, older or been in the, uh, as a Christian a long time. I think my understanding of this word is those who are ready to receive divine things that are open. You know, the fellow that uh, I mentioned to that came to live with us uh, after coming out of jail there was a maturity in him that was amazing to me and his ability to press in and receive the Lord. So it isn't something that takes a lot of years. It's something that someone that is open and there's availability to be spoken to by the living God. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age had understood, for if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. I reckon not. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man, not the soul of a man, but the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. And we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things freely given to us by God. These are the gifts that he has for us individually and corporately. Which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. But the natural man, the soul man, or the intellectual man, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually praised, again, by the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Amplified Bible says he is incapable of knowing them. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. That is an ongoing area with me of understanding that. And one of the things that I really learned in this particular study, having the mind of Christ, that there are things that make us adequate because we hold his thoughts and his feelings and his purposes in our heart. 
And that gives us the ability to think according to his grace and to his mercy. And that to me is huge. And that's why we have to learn together. Then in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship. Here's our word, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We should walk in them. We, us, together. And bringing our part, and learning that part, and receiving that part, and entering into that which he's ordained and purposed for us. So I'm going to pray here. And then I'm going to ask that we gather and pray for each other again like we've been doing on Wednesday nights. A couple of things I'm going to ask you to pray for. For a continual revelation of the word of God in the knowledge of Jesus himself. Sometimes we get stuck in the Bible and we miss Jesus. That's not a good thing. So we have to have that intimate relationship with him. Praying to be equipped. And I, like I said at the beginning, we're equipped to serve. And we're equipped to be able to give away. First, to be able to be first consumers in receiving the word of God. And to be taught by the spirit of God. And then to be able to understand how much we're loved. Love covers, love protects, love defends. And I think there's an area of being submitted to one another and sharing together is a huge thing. Now, if there's anybody here tonight that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, man, I'd love to pray with you or pray in your circle or just receive him. Or my little term for this is being saved some more. It's my fancy word for being sanctified. It's an ongoing dimension of his love and his grace. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for being such an amazing teacher that you teach us and train us and you equip us to be receivers of your intended purposes. And that these things that are in your heart, the passion that you have to be able to give to us that which is waiting to be received. Gifts and anointings and a relational intimacy with you, Lord, that we can receive for ourselves and then to be able to give to others also. And you told the boys as you sent them out, freely you've received, now freely give. This is a free gift. There's no charge for this. And there's an empowerment that you have ordained for us to be able to take hold of these things. And so Paul said to Timothy, take hold of what is life indeed. Choose life. Take hold of that which has been made available by your love and grace. So we invite you, Spirit of God, now to gather with us in these circles. Be part of us and teach us how to pray for each other with faith and with confidence, how to walk in the light together and how to minister to each other in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.